I invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to page 46 where we find our scripture reading this morning, Genesis chapter 29, verse 31 through chapter 30, verse 24. Genesis chapter 29, verse 31 through 30, verse 24. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved. He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Then she said, Here is Bilhah, my maidservant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me, and that through her I too can build a family. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. Jacob slept with her. And she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her maidservant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, What good fortune! So she named him Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am! The women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. During wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight and return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my maidservant to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Sometime later she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, 
May the Lord add to me another son. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Um, now the, uh, the TV station TLC is known for having a variety of strange and bizarre television shows. Uh, but one which has been aired in the past was called Sister Wives. The show documents the life of a polygamist family, which includes Father Cody Brown and his four wives, Mary, Janelle, Christine, and Robin, and their 18 children. Now, Cody says, what I'm doing is not illegal because I'm only legally married to one wife and all the other wives I'm just spiritually married to. He found a loophole, I guess. Uh, But you can read an article online right now on Insider, posted less than a week ago with the headline reading, Sister Wives star Christine Brown claims Cody has apparent favorites. So, you're telling me multiple wives creates jealousy, drama, and issues today? And it makes sense then that it probably caused the same issues back in Genesis. Who'd have thunk it? Well, we're going to look at the family issues going on in Jacob's life this morning. But we're going to look at how even though we can all see from the outside that it seems pretty messed up, God still uses this family. Uh, Our theme this morning is God uses the desires of sinful human hearts to build a nation and bring into this world a savior. We have three points this morning. The first is sister wives. The second is miserable mandrakes, and the third is God remembered God forgotten. So let's look at that first point, sister wives. Now, unlike uh, the modern TV show today with that polygamous family, um, Jacob's situation is unique because um, his polygamous family is uh, actually sister wives. Leah and Rachel are sisters, and they grew up together. They probably already had a sibling rivalry. And now that sibling rivalry has been increased by the fact that they're married to the same man. And increased by the fact that one of the status, um, position of status, um, highly favored role given to women in this society, in this culture, was if women could bear children for their husbands. And not just children, but sons in particular. And so, we see this dynamic taking place. Beginning in verse 31 of chapter 29, we see what is going on in Jacob's family, this dynamic between Leah and Rachel. And the dynamic is really a sad one, isn't it? Um, It's about a woman, Leah, who's frustrated because she is unloved by her husband. And so she's seeking to earn the love of her husband Um, By being fruitful. So she's frustrated, but fruitful. But then we have Rachel. Rachel is the one that Jacob really loves. Rachel is beautiful. Rachel is desirable, but but she's barren. So frustrated, but fruitful. Beautiful, but barren. And this tension creates all kinds of drama. All kinds of jealousy. All kinds of difficulty in their family life. We see in verse 31 that the Lord sees that Leah is not loved. So what is his response? 
He gives her the gift of bearing children. He opens her womb. God is the one who gives life. God is the one who opens and closes the womb. This is often a difficult truth to uh, wrap our minds around. It's a difficult truth to, uh, to deal with, um, especially if we are in a category of people who struggle to have children or who was never able to have children. But we have to trust the Lord with these realities. And one of the striking realities that we're seeing happening at this junction in the story of the people of Israel is that all the way going back to Abraham, God promised a fruitful nation would come from him, right? And what does Abraham have? One son, Isaac. One son. And then Isaac receives the same promise. What does he get? Two sons, Jacob and Esau. But right here at this junction, at this intersection, in the story of redemption, we see an opening up. And we see a beginning of a forming that the people of Israel, this is their history book, right? This is also our history book. This is also the book of our people. But this is Israel's history book. And so it's as they were reading this story of Genesis, right? And they began to hear these names. They might begin to realize, hey, these are the, what? The 12 tribes of Israel. But what is so striking about this story that we begin to hear about the fruitfulness that was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, begin to open up in Jacob's family. Is that the word of God seeks not to glorify it, to shine it up, to make it look pretty, so that those who are reading this, who are descended from Judah, descending from these tribes, would see, see, look, my origin is so magnificent, so filled with, goodness and royalty and glitter and glam. But they go and they figure out that they can trace their history back to a family in which both of the wives married the same man because he was tricked into it. And then both the wives fight over how many children they're having. And both the wives are so desperate to bring children and sons into this world for their husband Jacob that they give their maidservants something that they should know and did not go well for Abraham. And so we see this dynamic happening, right? But there's something interesting about uh, the uh, trajectory of this chapter. You see at the beginning... That in some ways, Leah has taken on the faith of the covenant God of Yahweh from her husband, Jacob. That in her hardship, in her difficulty, in her position of, of being unloved, being the one who is um, not appreciated, being the one who is not desired, the one who is not uh, adored. This is what she says here at the beginning of this chapter. She named him Reuben. And Reuben means, for he has seen my misery. And who is he? Leah 
see, uses the unique covenant name of God. When she says here at the beginning of the chapter, it is because the Lord, Yahweh, has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. And she does it again. When she conceives again and gives birth to a son, she says, because the Lord, Yahweh, heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon, means one who hears. She's turning to God in her hardship. She's saying, God, you are the one who sees my misery. God, you are the one who hears. And you are giving me this great gift of bringing these sons into this world. Again, she conceived and she says, now at last my husband would come attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. Levi is from the word attached. And then once again, this time I will praise Yahweh, the covenant God. She named him Judah comes from the word praise when she stopped having children. And so Leah is doing what we should do in times of difficulty and times of hardship. She is looking to the Lord as the one who sees her misery. The Lord is the one who hears her hardship and the Lord who is responding to those prayers. But how is Rachel dealing with this? How is Rachel? We see at this point in this story, Rachel might be the beautiful one, but she is most certainly the less godly one. When she saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, and that Leah was, she became jealous of her sister. And so she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. And Jacob's like, what do you want me to do about it? He's like, I'm doing my part. I can't change what's happening to you. He says, I'm not in the place of God who's kept you from having children. This is something that, is, that in, in this situation, I have no control over. So this is something that you should not be coming to me about. This is something that you should be going to who? God about. I can't resolve this. God is the one that you should be seeking in prayer. So in, in, in essence, Jacob is saying you should be like Leah who's saying, God, you're the one that sees my misery. God, you're the one that hears, right? And so in Rachel's desperation, she takes things into her own hands, right? Just like Sarah did that many, those many years ago to Abraham, Abraham uh, Jacob's great-grandfather, right? This is what, or Jacob's grandfather. This is what uh, Rachel does. She says, here, take Bilhah, my maidservant, sleep with her so that she can bear children for me. And that through her, I too can build a family. And that's what she does. And we read in verse 5, Jacob, she, she became pregnant, born of a son. And Rachel said, ha, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Is this the same thing that Leah is doing? Well, Rachel does not use the covenant name of God. She uses Elohim, the general term of God. This is uh, a word that can be used of any God in that day and age. And as we will see later, as they're leaving Laban's house, Rachel decides to do what? She decides to sneak some household idols with her, right? Rachel's faith, her conviction is, is not maybe necessarily tied to the covenant God that Jacob proclaims in the same way that Leah has done so. 
Nonetheless, though, even Rachel's de- declaration here is not that God has done this great thing for her, but that God has allowed her to say, nah, 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 to her sister. And then Rachel's servant, Billah, conceives again. And Rachel said, I've had a great struggle, <laughs> not with God, with my sister. And I have won. Ha <laughs> ha. So she named him Naphtali. means my struggle. My struggle. Right? See how self-centered she is acting in this. But we see the way that this kind of dynamic works. The way this kind of jealousy can suck you in. This kind of infighting can suck you in. Because Leah started off real good here. Calling out to the covenant God, right? But now Leah is getting drawn back into this this storm of of fighting and jealousy and and arguments. Because she's now in this competition with her sister. She now is saying, no, my sister now, she's not only going to be the beautiful and loved one, but she's also going to be the one that has the honor of having all these children. And so she enters into the court again. She enters into the gang. And so when she sees that, that she stopped having children, she did what? She said, God, please um, allow me to have children again. No, no. She says, here's my maidservant Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, what? Praise God. No, she says, what good fortune. So she named him Gad. And Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, how happy I am. Women will call me happy. She's been sucked into this vortex, right? Well, she now has come down. She's been, she stooped herself down to Rachel's level of this competition. And right here in the middle of this uh, story about these children being born, right? We have this interesting interjection about these mandrakes. Now, Reuben's probably eight, nine years old at this time. And what we hear is that during the wheat harvest, Reuben goes out into the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. What is this about? Well, at that time... It was commonly believed in the ancient Near Eastern culture that mandrakes were a kind of aphrodisiac and a fertility plant, a plant of fertility. And so Rachel sees that this kid, Reuben, has mandrakes. And what Rachel thinks is another form of taking things into her own hands, right? Not that there's anything against um, using drugs or medicines or herbs or anything like that. But she says, I'm going to take these mandrakes to hopefully change my status, hopefully change my position, that, that, um, that I'll, my, my womb will be open and I'll be able to bear children, bear sons for my husband. And so she comes to Leah and she says, can I have some of your son's mandrakes? But Leah says to her in this bitter jealousy infighting, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? And you've got to stop for a second here because you've got to think to yourself, what was the story? Was it Rachel who snuck in and slept with Jacob even though it was Leah that Jacob was supposed to marry? 
That's not how I remember it. Oh, that's right. Leah is the one that stole Rachel's husband. But she's flipped the script here. Because the bitterness, the jealousy, the infighting, it has gotten carried away. It's like the Hatfield and McCoys, you know. You don't even remember what started this whole fight. But it's built into your DNA now. And they're getting to that place. And so this is what Rachel says very well. He can sleep with you tonight. And return for your son's man drinks. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You're sleeping with me. I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. I mean, this transaction is so wrong. You're, you're uh, prostituting your own husband, your own self. You're fighting, you're, you're making bargains and purchasing who gets to be in the bed with him tonight. This is, this is, this is Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the descendant by which all Israelites look to and say, this is our forefather, our patriarch. This is where we descend from. These are the people that we come from, and they're not getting a pretty picture here. No. And despite that, despite that, verse 17 says, God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, not Yahweh. Elohim has rewarded me for giving my maidservant to my husband. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think God's rewarding you for doing the very thing that God said Abraham and Sarah shouldn't have done. No. But then we see this continue. Leah conceived again, bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have born him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Sometime later she gave birth to a daughter named her Dinah. And so the story continues. These sister wives infighting, frustrated but fruitful, beautiful but barren, until finally we come to verse 22. And God remembered God forgotten. Verse 22 it says, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. So she named him Joseph and said, May the Lord Yahweh add to me another son. In so many ways, this story tells us about the way that our own personal life and circumstances, the bitterness of our own heart, the jealousy that we struggle with, can turn us away from the one who can 
truly change our circumstances and, and difficulties and problems. The one who, as Leah said, knows our misery and hears our suffering. The one whom we can go to and pray to about situations. That if we get so caught up in our own hatred and animosity, we can start to prostitute out things that are important in our life. Just as Leah and Rachel did with the mandrakes and with Jacob, their husband. There are so many moments in this narrative in which we say, wow, Leah is remembering that God is there, that God is for her. And then other times when we say, wow, it seems that Leah has forgotten God and all this. And there's so many times in this story, in this narrative, when we see that it seems like Rachel has forgotten God. She's not even looking to God. She's all caught up in this fight. But then other times we see that she has these moments when it is God that she's remembered, that she's turned to. And we see times in this story when, when Jacob seems to remember God and, and, and points out to Rachel, you have the wrong idea. You need to go to God with this. I can't change your circumstances. God can. But then we see other times when Jacob says, oh, you're giving me your maidservant, Bilhah, Zilpah. Oh, okay, I'm fine with that. I'll sleep with them. And he forgets God. But here's the moment of truth. Isn't that how we all are? We are bundles of inconsistency. There are times in which we are so in tune with God's presence, calling out to God, Remembering that God is with us, that God hears us, that we go to God and we cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us, right? And then there are other times when we are so wrapped up in the circumstances of our life and the things that we are dealing with and struggling with that we realize hours and days and weeks have gone by when we have not even thought of God. But the thing that shocks me, even though I, I see myself in this passage, even though I hope you all see yourself in this passage in your inconsistency and devotion, that it does not negate the fact that God still uses this family for great things. He does not say, okay, because you remember me and because you forget me and because you remember me and because you forget me, because you're so inconsistent, that's it. You're done. I'm not using you for anything in my plan of redemption. No. No. Leah can buy her husband's night with mandrakes and God listens to her. God can be the one that providentially placed this family together where Leah and Rachel would struggle with all these sins of jealousy and infighting and bitterness, but he would still use their desires to build a nation and bring into this world a savior. And you know what's even more shocking to me 
is that maybe we would all think that it would be the one that Jacob really loved, the beautiful bride, Rachel, that God would choose to bring through her descendants the Savior, the seed of Abraham that would come to save the nation. But no, actually, it's through Leah, the one who fought all her life to be loved and adored by her husband. Maybe he never, she never got that adoration, maybe she never got the love, but at the end of their life, she got that respect, that appreciation. It's through Leah that comes Judah, and through Judah comes David, and through David comes Jesus. So even when we mess up, even when we're inconsistent, God still uses our inconsistency to continue building the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because we know this because God used the sinful, inconsistent lives of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel to build a nation and bring a Savior into this world who would die on the cross for our sins and three days later be raised so that we could have forgiveness of sins and receive the perfect righteousness and the gift of eternal life. So my prayer this morning is that we would know that even though often in our lives, we forget God, and then we remember God, we forget God, and then we remember God. God never forgets us. God always cares for us in Jesus Christ. And God still uses us for his great plan of redemption and restoration. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We, would, we pray, Lord, that we would know that you can use the inconsistent desires of our sinful human hearts to not only build a nation and bring into this world a Savior, but also to continue to build the kingdom that's been established by your son, Jesus Christ, and to continue to share the good news of the Savior to the world. We pray, Lord, that you would do these things in our lives. That we would be encouraged to know that if you can use Jacob and Leah and Rachel, that you can use us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.